I don't have a black heart, but I do want a black Amex. <laughs> Dumb. Stop. <laughs> I might be hard on the eyes, but at least I wear a GoPro 24-7, so you'll always catch my scenes. It, it's because they don't flip and film anything anymore in the housewife shows, and we just hear about arguments. And if we could all agree to wear GoPros as housewives and like never separate from the camera people, then we wouldn't be having the discussions we're having these last couple of weeks. That's where it's ang- I'm at the end of the week, at the end of my rope, and I'm angry. I'm into it. I'm into this anger. I'm into this energy. Like Sarah I mean, already goes, Ryan, what was that? <laughs> That's not a housewife's line. <laughs> no, I'm into it. This is going to be a sassy little episode, and I feel like a sassy little tag is the perfect compliment. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode I literally don't know, 340-something. Use your imagination. I know. I'm about a million is what it is. Also, P.S., it is International Podcast Day, oh, a day we. that I <laughs> a day I didn't know existed until 15 minutes ago when I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's an excuse for me to post a photo of myself on Instagram. And I'm so <laughs> excited. You're you know, you you're confident posting your own photos. I'll ne- you will only rarely catch oh, me, I or love. it'll be Maditza making some kind of image where I'm like look super door, you know, like. I you're but you always have like really good photos of yourself and I I you know it's like I I, it, I look like that that guy sloth from the Goonies whenever I see myself so it's hard but like international podcast day nobody's wished me a happy international I podcast know nobody's day wished me all. on a happy international podcast day so I'm so excited to have one of my favorite podcasters and people to come on this auspicious celebratory wow. day not just international podcast day but the launch of salt lake city and some stuff with rena so much more listen you know him <laughs> as the host of the podcasts so bad it's good with ryan bailey and what the kids are watching with natalie Pouchet. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Ryan Bailey. Ryan, how are we? I am so tired. I am so <laughs> tired. I am beat. I'm beaten down by life. I don't, uh, I, you know, I don't even know what we're doing, Sarah. Like, but I, I was like, maybe I should just come on and just convince both of us to quit during this hour. Like, <laughs> hey, what? Do, why don't we just move somewhere else? Like you say international, let's go yes. international and like, let's do something else with it. our lives. Because I just realized, like, I don't work for Bravo. Like, I literally don't. And I am spending more time on their shows than I feel like they're spending on their shows at time. And it's it seriously is changing me as a person. I do. I mean, (laughs) this is a this is this episode is a call for help. Absolutely. From both of us. (laughs) I posted two Patreon episodes in the last 12 hours, which is like just under two and a half hours of content, thoughts, ruminations on all things Lisa Rinna. And there was a certain moment recording in the middle of recording the second episode where I thought, I think I just broke my brain. I think this is it. I think I'm melting down. I had a thought last week. I was like, oh, on my Patreon, should I, would they listen to me sleep? (laughs) <laughs> like, if I make noises and stuff, like, I think I make noises. I'll just make random noise. I was like, would they listen to that? Like, an eight-hour me sleeping Patreon? Like, I, I was trying – because 
we all have to like we're all there's so many dang good people that do what we do out dang there. good no, you know you can say fuck on this but we're so rated explicit good people there out we there. go and Boom. it really pushes all of us to like work harder think differently try to like okay this is what we started at what how can we get around this or how can i set myself apart or something and it's really interesting because it you know we both grew up as actors and even then, you're, like, trying to find a way to, like, get the audition or get this. And it is just so interesting that there is so many talented people now doing this, doing what we do, and having opinions, mostly wrong uh, opinions, but but still opinions. <laughs> and that's good. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's kind of exciting. Like, I know this is completely insane, but it's what I imagine, like, Dorothy Parker and the Vicious Circle was like, you know? Like, oh hey, we're, God. hey, we're, this is the, this is the, uh... <laughs> This is the Roaring Twenties, baby. Thought, but it's all about Bravo. Can I just sidebar and say I recently went on YouTube for the second time and watched all of Dinner for Five. Oh, the John John Favreau show? So good. Which used to be on IFC. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. He talks about filming Dorothy Parker. He talks about... Um, it was like before and after Elf became a thing. And there's a difference in how he is encapsulating, obviously, his experience. It like sort of there's a little meeting spot in the middle. Before that, it was all about when I um, did Swingers. And then after it's like so about Elf, which is a fascinating journey when it just comes to the level of success that he accrued over the course of this series. But for anybody who hasn't heard of the show, which is understandable, it was a very small, intimate show where Jon Favreau, the writer, director, actor, um, sat down with people across a cross-section of entertainment, directors, actors, super indie performers, and they would just shoot the shit. And some of them were incredibly honest. Michael Rappaport was actually a fantastic guest on Dinner for Five because he was like, I'm just going to tell you exactly how I think. Well, dude, Michael Rappaport is, in, you know, because we all know him from the Bravo universe. But the funny right. thing, I just mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago, was that like, man, I was I was growing up in the day where Michael Rappaport, you know, I mean, when Woody Allen was acceptable to watch, you know, he did Mighty, right. Mighty Aphrodite, which was huge, mm-hmm. like a big independent film for Woody. And then he did... A Higher Learning, which was the second film for John Singleton after, I believe, Boys in the Hood. And he played a neo-Nazi in that, going to college. Like, Michael Rappaport can really act. And he is a fascinating storyteller. He just has the worst opinions on Bravo. No, I mean, like, he makes me as a straight man go, you know what, maybe I am gay. Like, I, like I'm like, this is not... This is not, and like, you know, it's just like, okay, man, like, I feel like, like, don't, he doesn't, I feel like he shouldn't be the, the, the one representation of straight men in Bravo. You know, like that's you know what representation matters, yes. Brian the way, Bailey. And when we is it the day for the single white when is heterosexual it, white men? When is it going to be our day, the white man? Right? When is it going to be our day, the heterosexual white man? I just. Oh, my God. And, Michael, you're totally right. I think he has probably walked back a little bit of his thoughts on Kenya because they were Kenya's the only person that got him, too, I on know, Watch I What mean, Happens Live. 100%. But he was coming at her in a way that was, I thought, completely 
uh, completely off the mark. But his cheerleading for Erica Jane has been so interesting. I was like, is he going to host the – he is moderating a panel at BravoCon, oh, which we're both planning Beverly to attend, Hills but panel. it's not. Oh. It's not. But there's something else. I forget which one it is, but it's a big one. He's moderating a big panel. I'm excited to watch it. Wait, is he moderating like trash? Where do we do with it? Like, where, <laughs> hey, where do you say th- hey, where do we throw out recyclables at BravoCon? Michael Rappaport's gonna let you know uh, at his panel trash and what we do with it. Uh, dinner for five, though. You bring that yeah. up. Is that like I love? It's also that's like Bravo fans. It turns out we love so much more than just Bravo. Like, that's what I've been so exciting. Like, you know, you mentioning that then makes me think of like, oh, my God, like independent film in the in the 90s. And I you remember that book slight. uh, Was it um, uh, Spikes, Mike's Slackers and Dykes? It was about like independent film. um, I've never heard of it. Oh, so good. And then there was like Down and Dirty Pictures about independent film and the rise of Miramax, which then tied into Mm. the Harvey Weinstein thing. Uh, but you know what they you know what Miramax represented in independent film was so exciting. But that's why it is exciting when I mean not Michael Rappaport so much, but when you have that influx of like say a Jennifer Lawrence or a John Hamm or a this, that the fact that they're even watching and trying to theorize themselves, like I got scared. I'm like, oh no, is John Hamm gonna do a podcast? Is that where this is headed? Is he gonna do a Bravo podcast? <laughs> like I got scared. But it's exciting because the thing that we love so much, you realize you know, we love so much more than this. We just kind of zone in on Bravo. Well, I think that's what's so great about your podcast is that you mix Bravo with content that is just as fascinating, equally so from other worlds. Is it, what's your calculation process of um, deciding what it is that you're going to discuss on any given episode? Sarah, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking me that. Um, no, uh, it's really, I mean, it is. this is the, the great part about having a daily show and the really bad part about having a daily show is that you really live and die by your day. You know, like you'll have, of course, the shows to recap, but I recap in them in a completely insanely silly, you'll have a couple of points, but if I come over and listen to yours, you really get in into it and I'll get into it here and there, but I want to make people laugh mainly. And I'm not talking about like, I'm not trying to be watch what crap happens and I'm not trying to be Danny. I'm trying to do my own weird thing. And, uh, but then on top of that, I'll give you usually two shows in one. You'll get like pop culture news stories in the beginning. And it really is. The cool thing is I usually record so late at night so by the time that day has passed so I can start talking about these try guys from YouTube and the one guy Ned cheating on his wife and I was like what I thought these were the queer eye guys and it turns out there's these guys on YouTube like 16 million subscribers the one guy you think would never cheat in his world like cheated at a Harry Styles concert with somebody that he worked for so I get to actually learn about that throughout the day and then go talk about it and then yesterday or like three days ago it all blurs uh, I was falling asleep (laughs) And I was, Sarah, we have some time, right? I can just get into this with you. Okay. So, so, okay. Last, this is how my TV viewing last week was so intense because last Wednesday we had Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Mm -hmm. we had the season premiere of the Kardashians, which I recap. Mm -hmm. Now, both of those were so horrifying that the way, that the way I chose to relax was to turn on the first episode of Dahmer on Netflix. And I was like... (laughs) Something to something to relax me. And by the way, it turns out Dahmer was way worse than both of those shows. I highly don't recommend it, even though it's like, yeah, he's a great actor and all that. But like, it's really, 
I, I don't know if I can go there, you know? Um, yeah. But then this past week, I tried to, I went and started flipping and Almost Famous was on, the Cameron Crowe film. Oh and my it had God. been a, at least a decade or so since I've seen it. And I kind of was like, uh, I remember loving this movie. And it was that thing where you're like, let me watch five minutes. I don't think it's going to hold up. Um, and I immediately got sucked in. Like, and this is like yeah. 1 a.m. in the morning. I just finished the podcast. It got so much that I'm like 40 minutes into this thing. And I'm like, I know the whole movie, but I'm like, I forgot how good, how amazing, how special the performances were. Billy Crudup, the kid, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I was just mm. sitting there going, I have to turn this off because it's so good. Like I will stay up and finish this. So I got to talk about that the next day and what that movie had meant to me because it unlocked this thing where I used to think, about that that Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, scene in that of like the mm. only true currency in this world is what you share when you're uncool, and to me, and I and I don't mean this as some kind of um, uh, what are those weird uh, white dudes? What incel? I don't mean this as a kind of an incel kind of speech, but like, but I consider that's what we're doing in a way. Like we're making this cool, and but like all of us talking about Bravo, we're sharing this with the all of you know like. I wasn't the cool kid at school. Like I, I, I tried, you know, but now I have an audience and we all kind of share this thing and we get to share these ideas. And it, you know, it just reminded me so much of that Philip Seymour Hoffman scene. And so when I saw it, I was like very touched because I was like, this is it. This is what we do exactly is we're sharing this. This is really true currency. Like we don't make tons of money doing this. So the true currency is like, that's why Bravo kind of think will be so amazing. Cause we actually get to see people that, I have maybe just listened to us or we get to meet each other for the first time in person mm -hmm. or I get, you know, like that's the thing that I'm like, well, that would make me a millionaire potentially just being able to meet these people, you know? Mm, I thought so, so many great points, including the idea of connection and the ways that our experiences growing up as kids within the construct of our families, whatever else we've got cooking informs the perspective, not only our interest in what we're interested in talking about, but also our own individual perspectives and voices, which is why on International Podcast Day, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's fun to speak to someone who has a different voice than I do, because there is so much opportunity in the Bravo universe, in the world of podcasting to feel individual in the sense that no one else is going to have your voice because no one else is you. No one else has lived the experiences that you have lived necessarily shares the exact identical passions that you have, which informs the conversation regardless of whether or not it's about Bravo when you're focused on Bravo. I think there's, that's what is so great about podcasting is you don't necessarily have to have a fave and it's an opportunity to hear a lot of different people say a lot of different things. And hopefully, I just uh, recorded an episode with someone who had a diametrically opposite view of Kathy Hilton to her core and her essence than I did. And it was fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love when people right. will actually, but I love when people have reasons for it. I don't yeah. just love, I don't just love willy nilly fanship of like, well, sure. just cause she's awesome. She's fierce. Like, I don't like that kind of stuff. I'm like, give me reasons why you like somebody because that's where you can truly tell. And some people have made me think about things. And that's the other thing about Bravo audiences, not to keep like kissing your guys' ass, but it like <laughs> you find out they're like, I'm like, damn, that was smart. Like, damn. Like, I was like, damn, that was funny. Like, hope this person never picks up a mic because that was really good. You know, like, I, you know, th they'll have these ideas and put thought into this where I'm like, 
oh my God, you're blowing my mind. And it really is exciting to, th- you're like, wow. Like I'll sit there and I'll, I'll write fan fiction in my head about like Vanderpump mm. rules, like silly of like, <laughs> you know, I remember writing one uh, in my head where it was like when Jax was still on the show and the season finale oh was like a baby gets dropped off at Sir. Uh, with a note, just like, <laughs> Jax, this is yours. I can't. And then it was like the next season was going to be Schwartz, Sandoval, and Jax, like three men and a baby in oh, it. Oh, Mike, I actually would be into watching Right? That, you could do, you Apologies know. to the baby, but um, <laughs> that could be great content. Uh, listen, speaking of different voices, I just have kind of a random question for you. Yeah. Um, just in thinking about this and thinking about kind of leaning into the tension and uncomfortable conversations. Do you have just, uh, I mean, listen, we talked about Michael Rappaport loving Erica Jane as well. He should, you know, you do you. Do you have an unpopular opinion? Something that like you feel it, you know, based on feedback that other people don't feel similarly and it doesn't matter or regardless of if it matters, you're not changing your mind like about a person, about a moment within the Bravo canon, within the Bravo universe. I'm trying to say where I uh, I completely turn a blind eye to something like I always go with the theory that none of these ladies are heroes. I'm not taking Mm. I'm not taking my social cues on how to treat people from these women. So like I I can still think like like Sutton, I have a weird obsession with Sutton and I always talk about it on the, the show and like you know, I always like, I'm like, I'll say, I'll say I'm a minor league baseball team owner. I'm Sutton Strack. And I always like get into it. But like Sutton has said some of some of the most bizarre things that really are, you know, like not great things. We had the crystal situation. We had, you know, but then I also, I got so proud of Sutton because she came back into this season and she stood up. She stood her ground. And even if that was just because she was oblivious, like if Erica Jane had given me the dressing down that she gave uh, Sutton at Kathy Hilton's dinner table, which by the way, that to me seems like a psychotic break. What Erica did that night, Lisa, if you're Mm. listening. Um, But I was so proud that she held her ground this season that she didn't. I, I, I'm even getting a little disappointed as we end the season where she's like, hey, Erica, come on over for Popeyes. You know, I like you. I'm like, don't. This is not your friend. This is not your friend. Let her sell her fake horsehair somewhere else. This is not your friend, Sutton. You stay in this lane because you, Crystal and Garcelle, if you can ride this wave, you are setting yourself up for a very good season. And what I love about the Housewives is three seasons from now, I will potentially hate Sutton. I will potentially Mm. dislike her. She will be a villain. You just don't know, but that's the cool thing about Bravo. The only person that I don't see myself going back on at this point and I don't think it's unpopular anymore. It used to be was Rinna. I don't think Rinna can come back from this, and I don't think she is. U- I don't think she is useful as a villain anymore. I think it is when you do a sequel after a sequel after a sequel where you're like, oh my god, another Halloween movie. I get it. The guy kills people. Mm-hmm. You know, like at this point, I don't care. And like, if we're really, if we're really talking about mental health, which I love to talk about mental health on the show. If Kathy really had a psychotic break, you wrap your you wrap your arms around Kathy. You don't just say I prayed to my God and I'm a very strong person. And you you wrap your arms around Kathy when you see her and say, I know you must be going through something. You don't go, You're not gonna get away with it, Kathy. You're not. You got a black heart. If somebody said I had a black heart and they were a guy, I'd pop them in the face. Like somebody like think about that. Think about you had a you said you had a psychotic break and then this lady has the balls to say you have a black heart. That is so specific. 
I never watch Housewives episodes live ever. And I watched this week live because I needed to see Salt Lake City live. And I didn't press any clips or any like when people were releasing things because I wanted it to be as pure an experience as possible. And when she said you have a black heart, I literally said out loud alone in my living room, lights out, candle burning. Did she just say black? I couldn't believe that she said that. And then... The follow-up to that moment is Kathy being like, I think I'm okay stopping this conversation. I've met my quota of being treated like shit. And then Rinna being like, oh, well, this is an additional example of your poor character goes, that you won't allow him, me to I got him I go you. this way. I got, well, yeah, because when you badmouth somebody, you always run the risk of it going that way. Kathy, her blood pressure didn't even go up. At least like she, you know, she was like, I'm done. And then she was like leaving and she was like, Kyle, Kyle, these flowers are amazing out here. Who did? I love these. Anyways, toodles. Like didn't even. And then Rin is still there like, should we do something else? Should we have some tea? And Kyle's like, what are you even still doing here? The fact that that Rinna got invited over to dress down Kathy and Rinna, you know, for somebody that always like, oh, I'm playing 4D chess. Like she's playing checkers at best. Like this is, she's not mm-hmm. thinking correctly. And I don't know if we're going to blame this on grief too but to me this was so far out of bounds like i thought the denise thing was kind of gross like this is an actual friend going hey don't ruin my marriage like this probably did happen with brandy but i'm going to ask you not to do this because you're my friend and lisa just goes no (laughs) you know this is my storyline now like i i i think i'm just kind of it's a bridge too far for me and i'm willing to sit Rinna out for a couple of seasons. And if you're going to do it to Rinna, try it with Rinna as well. Like it's, it's Rinna can come back. Like she can do girls trips and crap like that. Yeah. I mean, what does it mean when you think of the idea of Dorinda being put on pause? What does it mean to have Rinna pressing play? Like, what does it mean to have Rinna? How does that change or evolve the environment of not only like the women reacting in the moment to being filmed, but also the audience when you have someone so vocally and loudly defending not only their own poor behavior, but their closest friend in the cast as reasonable, excusable or non-existent. And then you have her looking at Kathy Hilton for whatever tantrum throw down meltdown happened off camera with no actual receipts regardless of what Rinna says on social media that she surely has and says to her you are the worst you are the worst example of poor character and I need to make sure that you feel bad and when you apologize just know that the apology doesn't matter it's an open door for me to continue to berate and criticize your behavior noting that I've already written myself a permission slip I mean the the rules don't apply to Rena and never have and it's been cute sometimes I just think it's yeah it's just expired in that sense and let me throw this your way too is that okay so yeah like I believe maybe I'll believe 60 70 percent of what Rena says yeah, man, let's get that on camera and we got ourselves a show. Maybe Kathy can be the villain next season. You know what? Kathy seems like she's doing it right. She's not getting her all like, she didn't, she's not reacting. She's like, okay, I'm getting up. Okay, great. We'll, we'll see you later. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of villain I'm actually more interested in is the, the mm. silent, but deadly. And remember 
Rinna's got her, like, is so twisted up about somebody that's a friend of. You are making Kathy a focal point. You're not even a, Kathy is not even a housewife. Like, you are, it is eating at her so bad that she is making, like, it's like you're making her a legend. Like, stop it. Like, stop it. You, you, you don't need to do this. It is working against you. And I always find these people that like, you know, leak things to radar online and all that. Like mm. she thinks she manipulates the press and all that. And I'm like, girl, what you thought you once could do, you no longer can. And it feels like maybe the industry has moved in a different way than your mind thinks it's going anymore. Ooh. And you find this diversion with a lot of housewives, especially where they it's going good. They know how to control everything and be the fan favorite. And then all of a sudden they take a hard left and they think all the fans will go with them on that hard left. And eventually the fans are so kind of smart and a really sophisticated audience that they're like, ooh, this doesn't even feel fun anymore. It's not even a fun fight. You know, like you don't, you're not Kenya Moore. You're not... You you know, you don't have the gravitas of that. And I don't know, like it's something just keeps eating at me like that. Like I'm like, okay, yeah, Kathy had a breakdown. The biggest fault of all of that is that we didn't get it on camera because that would have been right. an amazing housewife scene. That The only thing I don't, uh, and I want to, the only thing that I don't find cute or funny is if she actually did do a homophobic slur. I am not down with that. I don't find it funny. I don't find it cute. Um, but I don't know if that actually happened. And there are certain accounts where I just feel like Ren has just been DMing with that are writing so hard against Kathy that I'm like, oh my God, it's like, you're making it not even believable now. Like it doesn't, I, I, I don't know. It just, it's very weird the Bravo audience on Instagram and Twitter. And it's like, I've got inside information and this and that and this too many voices that you start to not even care what the reality of the situation is. And Rinna has never been a reliable narrator. So we can't like, if, if this came out of crystal's mouth, I would believe it. Like crystal to me is still a reliable narrator. I can trust crystal for the most part. I find that she's like, you know, usually you know, she's taken sides against both, like, you know, what I consider the good people and the bad people at times, but I can trust her. I can't trust Rinna. She's been proven to be unreliable so many times in how she relates stories. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, so much of the conversation seemingly on the next episode is exactly about the confusion and chaos surrounding the stories that were being leaked to the press and leaked to social media accounts or social media. Yeah. Kyle saying it's, it's like happening like day to day now, Kyle, like refer and, and Erica's like, I don't even know how to do that. Which, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Which by the way, I even know how to do that. Like, are you right. kidding me? I mean, like we know how to do that. Erica Jane definitely knows how to Right. It's not complicated. And she has a publicist. So that is like, that's one of those things where did it, did it need to be said when there are already so many conversations around Erica's behavior and really Erica's knowledge? Like, this is not the thing. You can, yeah, you can just say no, Erica. It's not like, no, right. I didn't do it. You don't have to be, I don't even know how to do it. It's like, yeah, you do. Come on. Like now you're a liar on top of like, now I can't trust you either. Right. Like she was a real trust. Next thing you're going to tell me is she's she's in on this Tom Girardi scheme (laughs) with these victims. What? It is, you know, kind of a confusing process to process the information that we've seen, because, again, so much of the next episode is talking about the very thing that you referenced, which were these allegations or rumors that something happened involving potentially potentially involving homophobic or racist slurs and 
it looks, it appears, although we don't actually know, but in this scene, you know, like on next week's episode, it appears that Kyle and others are like, that didn't happen and are trying to figure out what led to it. But it does lead to the, to a sense of chaos surrounding it because there is a little bit of a reckoning in hearing information about what happened in Aspen while they were filming Aspen and then in understanding the narrative that were being presented on the show, like what happens if it's not a matter of filling in the dots or like filling in the picture, but understanding that picture was intentionally wrong to begin with? Like, how does that change our view of, for example, the way that Rinna is encapsulating Kathy's poor behavior to understand that someone specifically intended to get the word out about something that maybe didn't happen at all. Well, I mean, I mean, just think about it, like, man, I wouldn't even let Rena hang out with my mom now. Cause like my mom sometimes will get grumpy and she'll like kind of throw a little fit. And I'm like, well, Rena would just like, Rena would like throw her under the butt. Like, and I'm like, I, it's my mom. Like, what are you talking? Like she just sometimes gets upset. Like, I mean like this, listen, Kathy wore PJs to a private club. You know, her little slippers, she doesn't, I mean, and also what you said is 100% correct, but if we're also to believe Rena is a mastermind of some sort, that woman is so comfortable arguing with Bravo Instagrammers, but she doesn't know how to hit record on her phone just for some sound in a, in a van. Like you, she thinks 10, if she thinks 10, like she barricades herself in a room. You don't think she texts Erica of like, listen to this. And you would just hear banging on the wall. Like, Oh, let me in. It's Cassie. Ah!" You don't think she would take a piece of the sunglasses that Kathy allegedly like stomped on. She said she threw the sunglasses and stomped on them. If I was Lisa Ren, I would have gone up and picked up a piece. Like, what is this? This, this is Kathy's broken glasses. You wouldn't get proof in doing what you do. They're called receipts and you always brag about them. I just don't get where all of a sudden you've just folded. Like you're like, I, I truly did have a mental break and PTSD and I didn't even realize I had a, a working phone. Yeah, it's a pr- it's slightly problematic when Rinna is both the witness and the narrator and yeah. we're counting on <laughs> her memory saying. when she doesn't when she didn't remember on camera explicitly saying that Kim Richards Kim Richards was soon to die. She said this Dude. woman is very yes. she has said a lot of pr- and the, the fact that Kathy even talks to Rinna to begin with is insane, you know? Well, the way that Kyle is relying on Rinna to seemingly defend her, understandably as the innocent party in aspects of Kathy's meltdown, but to compare her as an equal sister because she's a spiritual one when this woman has an obvious... And I'm not taking away what actually happened. I am sure that Kathy lost her damn mind. Yes. But to compare these two as equal... And and make sure to actively silence yourself until the very end when you say, okay, don't do this, guys, don't do this. After the doing this has passed, it's such an odd environment. Of course, Rinna would escalate on next week's episode. Of course, she's going to heighten the circumstances because she now understands that the only boundary she's crossing is Kathy's and she doesn't give a fuck. 
the funny thing is, and people like, cause then, you know, you, you got to think about production. Like, so mm. they're telling a story. And then if you pull back that curtain, which I know is sometimes not fun to do because you want to be taken away by the journey and the story. But the reality of that situation is this. Kathy came in halfway through the season, right? So all these ladies think of themselves as workhorses. We worked this entire season and Kathy comes here in the middle and people are talking nice about her online and they're like, Kathy this and Kathy meme that. And then she's trying to push her tequila down. I've got Rena Rosé coming out, damn it. Are you kidding me? She's, she says it everything we do where it becomes an inside joke with all of the ladies and you can see that. But here's the deal too is that Andy and Kyle begged Kathy to be on the show of like, it's going to be fun. I swear mm -hmm. you're respected. You're loved. You're going to pitch your product. It's going to be great. They love you. And Kathy's like, okay, that sounds kind of nice. I'd like to get my ass kissed. And the reality of that, that didn't happen. And these ladies, you can tell, especially Rena and Erica don't like somebody coming in halfway through the season and grabbing any kind of spotlight especially when they are getting taken down. And Rinna had like three episodes in a row where she had psychotic breaks on camera. So it must be frustrating just from a coworker, coworker, you know, standpoint where it's like, wait a sec, I was caught yelling on camera at my own Rose party and Kathy's freaking out. It's not even on camera and people don't get to see it. That's not fair. I've worked this whole season. My mom died. That's not fair. And I feel like that has something to do with all of this as well. You know, the introduction of the idea of, like, of grief and all of this is really interesting because while Rinna has seemingly said immediately after screaming at people, I can't be held accountable for it because of the position that I'm in and dealing with the death of a parent, but also the anger that she might feel about having to return immediately to work seemingly and deciding that, okay, if this is the position because this is just unfortunate timing and the circumstances of filming reality TV, the reality doesn't stop, then I'm going to make full use of it. Like, if I have to return to work, then I am going to return and triple down. And for yeah. whatever reason, Kathy is the circumstance that Rinna has set her eyes upon. And I know I know her mom passed away and she went back to work like three days later or two days later or something ridiculously I quick. I the timing. Because, yeah, it was no, very it was, quick. Because really, remember, she went was, on the PJ ride to Puta Mita, as, PJ sa <laughs> as PK says. Puta Mita, that's where you go. Um, she immediately, and she was like, Lois would want it this way. You know, it was like Lois loved private jets or something. I don't know. And she was like, Lois needed me here to go with you girls, you know? And I'm like, that's so wild because I also know that, yeah, like that's not ridiculous. Like she knew that her mom was in a bad way. So I'm sure she had already kind of sort of started that emotionally preparing, but I still even mm -hmm. found it weird that she was still then on a private jet to Punta Mita with all of these ladies. And I'm like, that just, I mean... I have, you know, I have family members that are sick and it like, when I start thinking, it makes me mad, you know? So I can only imagine that I bring that anger into my podcast or this podcast or that, you know, and I'm trying to, trying to empathize with Rena in that way. I yeah. just feel like there's just, it's just no tact. And if you can use grief for this, then what were you grieving last season? Or what were you grieving the season before? And what were you, you know? Yeah. What, what does the face of poor behavior look like? how is it different this season than with examples of her poor behavior f before? Like, why are we focusing on lashing out as being symptomatic of someone's bad behavior with 
Kathy's meltdown, which again, assuredly something happened. And I do think that Kathy had like a complete meltdown temper tantrum, said a lot of shit. But so have these women in many yes. cases on camera. So, <laughs> yes, like, exactly. why are we? It's just tough uh, isn't for me this, to. Isn't this supposed to be encouraged? Like, I mean, right. Well, and, and, by, and also, by the way, in, in this week's episode, Kathy did admit that she did this. Like, she's not even lying. So this whole narrative, too, of like, Kathy's lying about what I'm like. Well, no, this episode, which was not filmed this week, it was filmed seven, like, she admits that she did these things. She admits, and by the way, have, I've talked to many sisters, and they will shit talk each other so bad. I mean, I can, you know, like, I've seen this behavior in my own life. Like, none of this, to me, is surprising, and I'm not excusing Kathy's behavior, but I'm saying that the behavior existed, she took blame for it so i don't know mm-hmm. at this point what we want exactly like unless ren is going to come out with some kind of tape or audio which i think she would have done already because she had no problem releasing those texts before bravo even did and also i just have to assume that if kathy really truly is holding bravo's and nbc universal's feet to the fire that she wouldn't have been on watch what happens live twice this season mm-hmm. she if she had things edited out I would, if I was Kathy, I would have had that uh, moment comparing uh, uh, Lizzo to Precious. I would have had that edited out, but she didn't. So how much power can Kathy really have? She's allowed to look stupid on Watch What Happens Live, but then now all of a sudden she has every lawyer in the book working against Bravo and taking this footage out. Like that doesn't make sense to me. You would not still have this great relationship with Bravo and they made you look, I mean, like that, what she walked into on Watch What Happens Live was like a really horrible, you know, that was a horrible comparison that I thought was, I think is kind of worse than what I'm seeing right now on the actual show. And that's the part where I'm like confused at what, like even Diana Jenkins, we saw her cease and desist. We get to look that up. If cease and desist were sent out to everybody at the Caribou Club and every, all the, you know, all the NDAs. You're allowed to show that and say that. So that's not illegal. So I'm I'm just curious when we're going to actually start seeing those so we could actually have some kind of documentation because some Instagram account saying that they know that there were NDAs and cease and desist, that doesn't mean anything to me. I literally made a meme last week where I said Rinna had the shits and that's why she had to leave crystals. I can make up anything I want. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't. Like I want some actual proof here. Diana Jenkins showed us proof that she was like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eventually sue Bravo fans." Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today. There was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in, and while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. 
Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a Top Chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Yeah, I think that um, cease and desist were sent because I had Evan Real, who is... Uh, I love um, Evan, page six. Yeah, who's incredible with page six, who said on a recent AG that he was sent a cease and desist by Kathy. But I don't know exactly what the cease and desist was about, aside from... Um, uh, Wait, you didn't ask him what it was about? Well, page six was reporting on stuff that they had received information about by sources. And so the, the, (coughs) I mean, but (coughs) I don't know if it was, (laughs) I don't know who it was um, acting as the uh, rep to 
all things um, sourcing, but my reaction to that is that potentially it's a cease and desist about allegations that something homophobic or racist was said at the club. I think it's specifically about that. I don't know about anything else relating to the narrative around Kathy being protected aside to say that aside from saying that what does like protection mean? This is not what we saw happen with um, Denise, which was a more obvious and apparent strategy and very, very specific to one isolated narrative. Like the Aspen stuff is so revealing of not only Kathy's response in that moment, but also existing tension with her sister that I wouldn't even begin to imagine what conversation you're trying to stop because like they can do a pretty good job of that themselves. Kathy and Kyle don't want to talk about their issues. So I don't know, aside from those remarks, what else Kathy would be shutting down. Lisa's not helping herself by suggesting that, noting also that Kathy surely has a lot of value and power. And luckily they didn't. They're, you know, you could you can't have cameras in the Caribou Club because it's a private club mm-hmm. from what I hear. But remember, like Bravo doesn't usually shy away from those moments. We have Leanne Locken in her last season of Dallas yeah. having that moment on camera. With Marie ha- and off camera, by the way, with Marie in that yeah. crystal bowl or whatever she's trying to throw at her head. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like saying, like, it's not like Bravo hides or shies away from the tough conversations. I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm very curious what we'll get at the reunion. But at the same time, you know, I said this, I, you know, is that, you know, it, it wouldn't be a season of Beverly Hills if you weren't completely exhausted and, and begging for it to end by the end. <laughs> you know, like, just like put, like, the fact that Salt Lake came out this week, I was so ecstatic about, and I was so happy, and it gave me good, like, so funny. I'm watching these ladies fight, and it gave me a good feeling. I was like, yes. here, we, here we go. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I want. And it is just weird. And I guess we are a funny audience, because you really, there is no pleasing us um, if we're to be, you know, truthful, because we don't have you know, we all have differing opinions, but I will mm-hmm. say Salt Lake came along at the right time for me personally. And we're going to follow that up with Potomac in a couple of weeks. And I'm just like, okay, good. Okay. Now, cause Potomac has wits. It has smarts. It has, you know, those girls are all fi- fi- firing on such a high level mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, even if they have not huge storylines, you're going to watch an entertaining group of women that know their way around a word. Yeah, and speaking of knowing your way around, I mean that Salt Lake City premiere, I thought, was a wild and deeply enjoyable ride. What so was good. your What was your reaction to it? And did you watch live? Did you watch it immediately after BH? Was there a change in your response as a result? Of I've watched it a couple. Beverly Hills. Well, I've watched okay. a couple of times now, and the the first time, I mean, like. The, the first time I watched it, I was just so blown away by that first two minutes. The first yeah. two minutes, you know, oh where they, they, they take the audition footage from 2019 yes. and then flash forward to 2022. And you see them all getting their, you know, their green screens and you see Jen Shaw full of ego and I make millions, mm-hmm. honey. And all of this stuff. And you really, I mean, the editors and the producers, like such a great job. And I just... What I was so disturbed with the first watch, which I became more enjoyable for me on the second watch, was... That, you know, here we have Jen Shaw. And in the course of a season, she changes her plea to guilty. And it's, you know, all of this stuff. 
But you have this thing where you're like, this is insane drama. What is going on in this woman's world is insane drama. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit, we are going to get a Jen Shaw laser-focused season. And then immediately it's like, Meredith's like, Lisa fucks people for Vita Tequila. Like, it's like we we get completely off track. Like, we get, like, we get completely off track. And you know what? I'm here for it. Like, I'm like... This is great. Like two women, like there is something in the room that all of these women could turn against and we're going to ignore it completely and go, Meredith, you're a slut. And Lisa, you're a slut as well. I've heard rumors. And that to to me was the most, like Jen Shaw, once again, is like, I thought it was so stupid that she did the second season. And then I watched it. I was like, wow, she came off looking good because she picked the right crazy women to be around. Like these women... I mean, just like, you know, Lisa Rinna would have a field day on this cast because she would be like, oh, nobody's looking at Jen. I'm going to take her down. Like, are you kidding me? This is like easy pickings, you know? But these ladies are so focused on each other instead of the actual thing in the room that you could really go deep on. But to me, that's classic housewives. Like, to me, of like, I literally think Meredith made that rumor up out of thin air and I, I, fascinating also if anybody's run a business or knows a business you usually are in a deficit for like five to six years so it doesn't shock me about the Vita tequila but her and it wasn't it about Vita it was I about w- a different business but Lisa it- Barlow went on watch what happens and she's like we are serial entrepreneurs <laughs> the in- the intimating that was about Vita is factually incorrect it was about a different business listen I'm a fresh wolf man I even I even support her son's products you know like Love the it. the men's skincare but I I I just find that it, to me that's classic housewives of like we are going at this kind of it's not surface level because it really does mean something to these ladies and this is a real relationship so it really has that housewives like ooh these ladies really know each other and that's why this hurts um, but I just do find it funny of once again Bravo not really necessarily or the production not really knowing how to handle these things of great mm. importance of like when you actually bring in the judicial system, like it's really tough. And I, I always try to think about it as a producer of what do you do? Because you try to keep that relationship with Jen open so she can be, she can provide, you know, and do the scenes. And also Jen wants that paycheck and that job. And she like, I, I, I just wonder how they do that as production. It's got to be such a delicate balance to deal with, I mean, with any of these ladies on any of the shows, but especially like to keep Jen filming and what that conversation was once she switched her plea. How does she tell the producers of like, by the way, today I'm going to um, I'm going to say I'm guilty because I'm finally mm-hmm. going to admit it. And I know you got all that footage from this season saying like me saying I'm innocent. Um, can you make me not look like an idiot all season because I keep telling everybody I'm innocent? I'm going to change all that. Like, I mean. It's what we're going to have a whole season where Jen professes her innocence the whole time. And then we're going to get to like three episodes before the end. And it's going to be the change of verdict, like change of plea. It's I think it's it carries over until the end of filming. I don't think. Yeah, I think I thought they were done filming. I thought they were done filming before that plea was changed. Yeah, I think. And it's also, you know, the focus of the show ostensibly is about the bubble of these women, some of whom have long term relationships, some of whom do not in conflict with each other, in conflict with their lives. Their marriages might be dealing with some sort of instability or outside work stuff is going through challenges. And then watching that through the experience of their challenges with each other this season being about the disillusion of so many of these long-standing friendships 
uh, Whitney and Heather, but also most obviously um, Meredith. Meredith and Lisa is sort of incredible. It it makes a lot of sense to build. I mean, you can only do with, you know, like what you're working with, but it makes so much sense to build the premiere episode around this shocking change of alliances of having Meredith in that car and you think she's driving to see Lisa. I know, it was so great. The relationship she wants to repair is with Jen because like all all of (laughs) Meredith's ideas last season around morality, legality, (laughs) her experiences as an attorney, whatever else have disappeared because she hates or she's so mad at Lisa Barlow that she wants to align with Jen. Her supporting Jen to me has nothing to do with Jen, which makes it so much more complicated and everything to do with Lisa. Can you imagine Jen Shaw going into the season going, holy shit, like Meredith wants to like talk to me and be friends with me. Like, how did this happen? Like, she's got to be shocked. She was like, I thought I was going to have to hide my face a lot of the time. But no, it turns out I'm invited to everything. People want to go to my parties. Like, people are actually rallying around me even more, which is even so interesting still. And I wish the show would tackle this topic to really help us or I don't even, uh, me understand is that Heather Gay and Meredith even made uh, statements this week even saying, I will stand behind Jen to the end. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, fr- this, she's a good person and da da da. And Heather actually had come on my podcast like a year, uh, ye- like a year, like right before season two started. Okay. And she, that was the first place she had said, I said, well, what if it, I said, you know, if you read the evidence, it kind of looks like she, she did these things. You know, what will you do if you find out she's guilty? And she, and, and Heather said, I, I will remain her friend. People, you know, make mistakes. People do. And and it was, I'm not saying it, doing it justice because it was, I was just like, oh, wow, okay. Like, and I knew, and that was like the thing that got picked up by like Daily Mail and, t- you know, because she, all those quotes. And I will tell you, like, I had the best conversation with Heather Gay. We talked about our divorces. We talked about all, like, oh I, really, God. and I really, I I still even say, like, I liked Heather Gay in the first episode of the season. Yeah, she's she, super but likable. She, she unfollowed me. Like, she unfollowed <gasps> me. And it was like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you really do ride hard for Jen Shaw. Like, it is. And I'm like, that's so weird. And there's usually not any more things that will, like, hurt me, hurt me. You know, I'm really sensitive. But, like, that one stung. I was like, oof, Heather. I was like, wow, okay. Like, okay, that's wild. But you know what? I want to know why I want to know more about that though. I want to know more about like, and I guess maybe I'm just jaded as a person. Cause I'm like, you make choices when you defraud the elderly, you make choices. Like these are choices you make and two things can be true at once. Jen can still be like fun loving and fun to party with and all that. But then if you're actually doing that, I do think that dings you a little bit in the friend department. Like it really, because then you've also lied to your friends for so long on top of what you actually did, you made them look like fools again. So here you are having concern for your friend, but your friend having zero concern for you. Never a concern for how Heather or Meredith might look after Meredith goes on her Instagram and defends Jen Shaw the weekend before she changes her. She's like, in this country, in this country, we are innocent until proven guilty. I'm like, okay, Jen said she's guilty. Are we allowed to like say it now? Can we, can we say what we knew all along now? And I just, I don't know if it's the housewife's ego that makes them say like, listen, I feel like an idiot. Like they, they double down almost or Jen must just be the best friend you've ever had off camera because I don't see it on camera. 
I don't think it's either of the two. I think it's Heather's personality is is that she feels like this is someone, you know, like hate the, what is it? Love the sin or hate the sin. Yeah. But I yeah. genuinely think she <laughs> believes this, yeah. which, which she has every right to do. And to say, listen, this is someone who has done terrible, terrible things, but I want to be there to support them because there aren't going to be a lot of people left. And I have, you know, she had said previously her business tactics were unsavory. Like I think Heather understands that what took place took place, but I think she has made a decision that she wants to be supportive of Jen, regardless of how unsupportive Jen has been in the past with her. And with Meredith, it does honestly to me, feel so much more connect less connected to her caring in the way that she did last season and much more connected to the fact that she knows this is someone who relishes dirty work in terms of the stuff she's going to say on camera to upset Lisa and Meredith has decided that for the purposes not of the legal system, but of the system of housewives, that that is more important to her. She's yeah. recalibrated. Meredith is her, building an army. Well, I mean, a little bit, but she's also recalibrated the morality of being near Jen. And at this point, obviously filming the season, we have the benefit and also burden of knowing that Jen herself admitted she was guilty months later, but not at this point. So while Meredith said things last season that seemed to imply she had a, a good understanding of what was actually happening here, now she's changed course a little bit. But also at this point, nobody knows what is going to happen and neither does Jen. I think Jen really truly was intending to go to trial and fight this until it turned out that there was absolute seemingly no shot for her to get through this trial and get to the place that she was fighting to get to. It just wasn't going to happen. Like there's denial and poor strategy and whatever else. And we're watching, we're going to watch that play out. But I think we're also seeing the ways that humiliation can change a person's priorities. Because I think Meredith <laughs> was so humiliated oh, by what Lisa Barlow said. And if we're going to talk, by the way, about meltdowns and tantrums oh, yes. and things being not not being discussed on camera, I, I got into this on Patreon, but I am certain, regardless of whether or not this was a trustworthy physical response or if you were even able to, like, think about that and process it in that way that when Lisa was losing her shit with a producer in that bathroom or whatever, she absolutely did not think that this was going to be used. She had set her own little trust system in that I can vent. And this is a yes. part of me venting. That's not going to be shown that I'm not even aware of what I'm saying because it's such a rage spiral. And we're now watching the complications of when you trust the wrong construct within reality TV. Well, think of, think about it in terms of even like our theater experiences on on the stage. You know, like all have gone up on a line or something. I remember I forgot like a monologue at some point, or you know, I like missed my my cue, and I remember going off stage, going motherfucker, I can't fucking remember a fucking damn thing. Don da da da. You know, like throwing a temper tantrum. You know, not but like I 
I didn't think there were any, you know, like I'm like backstage with like people that are working on a show, but they're hearing me rant and rave because I screwed up. I mean, I think that is very believable to me, but also Meredith's full court press, that scene with Seth in the kitchen was so hysterical oh of God. like, you know, you have 4,000 employees yet. You know, I'm like, first off, Seth is in charge of 4,000 people. Is Seth Elon Musk all of a sudden? Like, I mean, like <laughs> what? Like I thought Seth was in like, I'm in Canton, Ohio. I work in Canton. Canton. And like all of a sudden he's 4,000 employees. I'm like, well, then why the hell are you even here at all, Seth? Like, for, go help those 4,000 employees because that's a lot of employees if that's true. That's a lot of employees. And that scene was so set up too because that was the main function of that scene because if you see the little bit with Seth went grocery shopping and he's like, ramen noodles, that's what we can afford. We're like college students. And then you see he has like Smucker's Jam and he has like some beer and like Fritos. He had all this like college food because that was the whole bit. He, they didn't really call it out that much except for that ramen noodles bit. But if you look at all the other groceries he's taking mm. out, it's all that type of food. It's all type of food that they would never eat, but it's like a prop. It's like carrot top prop, you know? It's like... Oh, that's so funny. Like the whole scene was supposed to be just obviously that. And that's what they did. And that's why they went back and forth beautifully. I mean, and it also gets into the idea of believability because I think Lisa Barlow in that moment, and she says that she, uh, on Watch What Happens, she said the reason she, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, which could be completely wrong, but like something along the lines of Jen Shaw is the person who told her about alleged affairs that Meredith was having in New York, which is what inspired yeah. the specific yeah. monologue she had. Lisa, in that moment, this is the thing that's so tough, is like Lisa saying, I don't believe what I said, but is that true? Versus Meredith, who I I think like maybe a part of Lisa did believe what she said in the moment, but it was also a release. With Meredith, I don't think she believes anything that she's saying about Lisa in the premiere episode, but she doesn't care. Like, yeah. she's being much more precise. She's strategized what she is going to portray about Lisa Barlow as a wife, as a business person, as a mother, whatever else, she, as a friend, whatever else she's saying to make her look bad intentionally versus Lisa Barlow, who... I don't think was consciously aware yeah. of what she was saying out loud, but maybe subconsciously, regardless of what she's saying on camera, believed it in that moment. And it's weird that Jen is in the middle of both. She's the one who allegedly fed Lisa Barlow and she's the one hyping and agreeing with what Meredith is saying. It's wild. It's I didn't wild. even really think about that, that Jen Shaw was the one that heard that rumor in New York about Meredith and knew of the guy. I forgot that that's how like in the first season, like that's why that is true. Like where Meredith, where's this passion for Jen actually starting? I mean, that is, I didn't even, I forgot all about that. Yeah. I forgot about it until Whitney and Lisa were talking about it on Watch What Happens. And it really does, you know, if Jen Shaw is your reliable source, which is what Meredith is trying to tout on the premiere episode, or at least having her there to echo her remarks with the like, oh, I heard that rumor about Lisa too. If Jen Shaw is your witness to this, or at least your second source, that's not necessarily great. <laughs> That's not great legal strategy when it comes to like arguing the docket of housewifery, at least with who's a worse friend. And I love that Whitney's like, I'm just on quitmormon.com. Like that's her whole, like, you know, which 
<laughs> Which, by the way, I actually went to that website, and it's like, oh. that actually, it's true. I actually, I signed Heather Gay up for it, so uh, she doesn't oh know. No, <laughs> I'm joking. But it does exist. I went on the way, like, it really, there's this website where you can join, and they handle the process. It's wild. It's wild, and it's also just, like, an odd thing to think of Whitney and Heather falling apart because to me, they give off um, Giselle Robin energy where nothing is going to like these women just love and respect each other and understand that housewives is as housewife does. And they're not going to allow this to damage their relationship. And for this to end, you know, Giselle and Robin are however many seasons into Potomac Salt Lake is on season three and there's some sort of big break and breakup yeah. that's going to happen. And it's, it is genuinely to me surprising. It's honestly surprising. It is. And then part of me, like, I don't know. I, I am so distrustful now of any of these shows that I'm like, Heather and Whitney are also the two that have loved Bravo from the beginning, even before they were yeah, on the show. That's like, true. That's I a good point. I sometimes, I mean, like, listen, I know they're, they're, that's they're, a good point. they're not liars or anything like that, but like, I will say they do know how these shows work. Like I had a, I've had conversations with both Heather and Whitney and they were both fans of all this stuff before, you know, like they know how this stuff works. They've watched all the shows like we have. So I would say like, I mean, like I, I think about the idea recently of like, I've said to other podcasters like, Hey, can we have a podcasting war? Can we like like do something where we have a fight on, you know? Because it'll no, just help. It'll help. It'll help that. both of let's our downloads. Do, no. Because 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 drama sells. Like people love. Oh, like people are like, god. oh my god, you got to tune into this podcast. They go ballistic on each other. That stuff actually like Mm-mm. hate listens are still a download. You know, like somebody had to remind me of that the other day. And I was like, I guess, but I'd rather people like me. And it's like, you do look at the things that are popular and you're like, wow, that's wild. Like, that's where I think people do start to mess around with that reality and the ideas of like, well, I mean, we could get into it a little bit and really go there, you know, like really feel it. Like, who, you know, that'd be interesting. I mean, there is the possibility, certainly, that there's some aspect of this where they know that that will be good plot. But I, that's not necessarily where I think this instinctively was created. I think it's a little bit of these women fighting with each other about how they're going to be perceived on the show. That's yeah. the unspoken argument that's going to set this off. That can destroy a friendship, especially if you understand how valuable housewives can be, both for celebrity, fame, potential contracts, work, whatever else. If you feel like someone is damaging your reputation as a housewife, maybe as a fan favorite or whatever else, that can piss a person off. That can really piss a person off. And I have to say that, um, you know, in thinking about all things Lisa Barlow, because I cannot get that monologue out of my mind, um, I was talking to a little bit before we started recording about a tweet, because someone reposted this on Instagram because I'm not on Twitter, but um, it was. Oh, a it's tweet. a lovely place, Sarah. Oh, it's, it's Twitter. wonderful. Twitter's a lot of nice, <laughs> kind-hearted people. You would love it there, yeah. I'm sure I would. Um, but it was something. The messaging I thought was so smart, which was like this fight that Meredith is having with Lisa about what she said behind closed doors. The fact that this is going to be such a big part of this season would be one drunken night on the Real Housewives of New York. Yes. They would wake up the next day and forget it yeah and at the same time that I'm like reacting to this moment or whatever I remember that 
forever ago. I had done AG theater um, on an episode. I don't, I genuinely, it was around when the Miami meltdown occurred on the Real Housewives of New York when Bethany lost her mind on Luann. And I like connected those dots between how what Lisa said is it while it is terrible in the universe of Salt Lake it is a nothing burger on New York which is an unfair comparison that I love to think about I actually think it is pretty fair within the universe of housewives and I found the script and I just want to because you are such a performer I want us to do a little bit of AG theater since I fucking transcribed this scene. I don't know how long it took me. I'm sure it was a minute, which I literally this Google doc that I have not touched says the title of it is uh, Real Houses of New York Masterpiece Theater colon Be Bully. So I really apparently had a lot of thoughts. Be strong. Be strong. Um, So I, you know, I just think you are a a consummate performer. Thank you. I am, yeah. You are. And so I think maybe we should enact this, reenact this scene. You playing Bethany, me playing Luann, and all of the, in the words of John Hamm, ancillary cities, all of the (laughs) other characters, and just thinking about the Lisa Barlow of it all. And I have a transcript of that as well. Thinking about the Lisa Barlow of it all, does that match with this? Actually, I'm just going to, before we do this, read the Lisa Barlow monologue yes, so please, we can yes. have that in our heads. Okay, so let this it, is what Lisa Barlow us. said. Let it, let it inspire us. Meredith can go fuck herself. I'm mm. done with her because I'm not a fucking whore and I don't cheat on my husband. Her and her dumb fucking family that poses why don't you own a house? Oh, wait, you can't because your husband changes jobs every five minutes. Meredith is a piece of fucking shit. I had your back and I'm offended by that. Fuck you. That fucking piece of shit garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She fucked half of New York. She can go fuck herself keeping that in mind and this is by the way this, and also if you ever like put this monologue over like a uh, kathy in a sprinter van this is probably kind of like close to her breakdown as well yes the comparisons the synergy of breakdowns on bh wish i had some receipts i don't get i guess they don't exist <laughs> yeah. and salt lake and uh, just a wednesday in new york are fascinating but anyway okay now this is going to be my interpretation and i'm going to build it. i'm going to build <laughs> i'm going to ramp up so i love this, that because i don't rely in any way on what actually <laughs> Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm like, and I, I'm just trying this to. This is gonna be a symphony of people playing different songs, and I'm extremely here for it. Okay, so Real Housewives of New York Masterpiece Theater, Be Bully, you are playing Bethany, I am playing everybody else from Miami, Miami Meltdown. Okay. Okay, I get a question. At this point, yeah. where is she with the Jason Hoppy relation? No. <laughs> is she, did she still think about it even though she's moved on and she, you know, her boyfriend had died also at this point? But is there any yeah, shades Dennis of thinking about Jason away. Hoppy in this explosion? Do you think that? I, I'm sorry. I'm just asking an annoying actor. I would say that Jason probably always does factor. Oh, thank you so much. That's very helpful. You're thank welcome. You. You're you. welcome. Wow. I thought it so. It is yeah. a pleasure and a joy. Pleasure yeah. and a joy. Okay. Okay. Ryan, it's all you. You're Bethany. You are intolerable. 
You never change because you never changed. Because you've dined out on your sobriety, you're dining out on it. I'm not dining out on my sobriety. Yes, you are. Dining out. No, I'm not. Yes, you are dining. How dare you? Be strong. You should be so proud of yourself. Oh, I've been through it. I've been through it. You're bully strong is what you are. I'm so proud of myself. Bully strong. You know, let me tell you something clearly. Dennis helped you with your case. Really, Bethany? 100%. What's the last time you asked me how I feel about it? Am I the only one that's not checked in You actually are. You actually are. It's unnerving. Well, I haven't really spent time with you. I really You're don't being that self-absorbed, Luann. That's what really upsets us. It gets us a little, you know... Yeah, so as I'm a persona non grata. <laughs> oh, you're not a persona... This is Sonia. You're not a persona non grata. We wouldn't be upset if we didn't love you. And this is Luann. You know, this is not enjoyable for me. This is not. Right. This is not. This is the truth. Not. The truth hurts. No, it's not. It's you guys are really just kind of... I'm so mad. Do you understand that I did your intervention and my fucking boyfriend, ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance died of an overdose and you haven't checked in on me? Do you understand? Listen, that's not, that's not true. I did your intervention while my guy died of a drug overdose and you haven't asked me how I am. Hi, he died. Of course I checked in with you. He's in the ground. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. I have, Bethany. One time. One time. I'm going through a lot, and you come and and come to my thing. Cabaret. Cabaret. Cuban cabaret. I'm saying cabaret, cabaret, cabaret all day. Life is not a cabaret. It's actually not a cabaret. Look at you, Tinsley. Don't say look at you. That's fucking rude. Because you're selfish. You really are. Look in the fucking mirror. Look at me. Look at you. You never checked in on Dennis. Not once. What are you talking about? You never asked about Dennis. You never asked. Are you kidding me? I did. You never asked. You don't. Of course no. I did. No, you don't. No, you don't. Every day it's about you. Every fucking day it's about you. Tinsley, it is always. Every fucking second it's about you. Oh, oh, because I didn't get a massage. Because you're an asshole that didn't even have lunch with us today because you went and looked at your own poster. I went for a swim at the beach, for God's sake. Ramona, you're missing her pain. You're not getting it. It's so sad. This is so sad. This is a problem. Do you understand? This was a whole weekend. I took weeks of my life for you. She's being your fucking doormat. No, she's not. She's not my doormat. She's my friend. She saved you. Was my friend. I had lawyers come to your house on a Sunday. I spoke to your kids. I sat outside in your driveway to make sure that you didn't drive your car. You almost crashed the boat and killed your friends. You are running in a field in a negligee and had to be taken in cop cars. And I made sure that they didn't record it so you don't know how to get arrested. So you you didn't know to get arrested. I was not in a good place. You left the fucking rehab that I got you for free two weeks early. And you said... I didn't leave. Two weeks early. Oh, yes, you did. I left a week early to go because I had to work. Was cabaret. Yes, and I needed to go. You're a psycho. For cabaret, you left. I needed to go and do that. I got it for free. You're sick. 
I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, Dorinda. You're gonna have a heart attack. You're gonna have a heart attack. You didn't ask me once about how I am about Dennis. You didn't ask me once because you're so up your own fucking ass. I'm so sorry about Dennis. I I mean... You didn't ask! I mean... Sydney, I mean Ryan Bailey, thank you for indulging. Ugh. I can't believe that was six we pages We will be opening off-Broadway um, <laughs> sometime in the spring. We're hoping to get word back from a few I theaters. mean, I don't know if it's a direct connection between the Barlow of it all, but it is to say that energetically, this moment that Lisa Barlow had locked in a bathroom with a producer being worse than any vacation fight or genuinely Tuesday afternoon that the women on New York have had noting, I mean, the Berkshires, for God's sake, having these huge moments and acknowledging, yeah, there was a lot of bluster and a lot of rage, and we're just going to keep moving forward. Because yeah, the thing, the Luann still considers forward. Bethany a friend, by the way. You know, yes. like, you know, like all of this stuff was said. And that's that's also the difference between New York, you know, like this will potentially never, you know, even if you look at Twitter now with Meredith still like, you know, a- actively angry at Lisa, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, where Luann will be like, no, me and Bethy are great friends. She loves me. I love her. Like, you, you know, you you wouldn't be able to hear otherwise from Luann. Yeah. And I feel like the. Bethany spiral like Lisa Barlow's was a lot of pent up anger and rage that had been buried and hadn't been communicated and just needed an outlet and the outlet for Bethany in Florida in Miami was Lou behaving in a way that didn't show a lot of caring or effort to the other people that surrounded her and in Salt Lake I actually don't entirely remember what led to Lisa Barlow's um monologue in the bathroom like I don't remember they were on vacation right so, yeah they were at the vacation it, house but... and it was also it like it wasn't it wasn't that the backyard uh dinner scene and right like I think Mary was a part of it too if yeah, I'm yeah, remembering yeah. correctly there was something that was going on but it is also the connector of like what happens when you have a really good friend and what happens when that friendship hits a really rough patch or God forbid falls apart. Like how much of your trust in that person, including with secrets or your thoughts and feels and opinions that you maybe didn't communicate because you cared too much. Like what happens to that baggage that you were happy to carry or that you participated in carrying? Are you no longer responsible for it? Because I think what Meredith is trying to say is, I know I was no longer responsible for giving a shit about this person's feelings when they said the things that they said about my family. And what Lisa is saying is like, I didn't believe it or I did believe it or I had just reached a breaking point, but you're not at that breaking point now. Now you're just showing active, slow, methodical effort. And that's a difference. Oh my God, I mean, but seriously, engaging. what a performance, man. Like, just <laughs> I just want to shout my, myself out one more time because, wow, wow, I mean, like, to just harness that kind of energy, it's like, it wasn't overacted at all. I mean, it was so no, subtle. It was so good. And it was, wow. My poor dad, my poor dad, by the way, is upstairs right now and he's just <gasps> hearing me shout, just scream <laughs> and shout. You know, I know I'm going to be like, you, you doing your job down there again? What's going on in your job? You know, like, it's already hard to explain what I do. And, 
I want to see you record a reel with your dad doing this scene in this moment. I'm like, I'm gonna watch. Oh wait, wait, can I tell you? Can I tell? Okay, so I made him watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Kardashians Mm -hmm. this week with me. And the Beverly Hills, like he had like like you know some like oh man he he doesn't know any of their names or something, but he said he recognized Lisa Rinna, but he said multiple times he said. What's going on with her lips? And I, that he wasn't even—he wasn't trying to be funny, or he was like, what, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. "What's going on there?" Like, and I was like, "Oh, you know, her lips are legendary." And um, and then I made him watch Kardashians afterwards, and he goes, "Fuck this, fuck this." <laughs> this I, he goes, "I am way wow. more into the Housewives show. Like this, wow. he goes, this is disgusting. This he was he was like indignant. He was like, this is disgusting." But the Housewives show, he goes, the Housewives show I do because this is disgusting. That's actually shocking to me. I would kind of think it might, it would be the, well, I guess it depends on what kind of energy you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, this week's Kardashian, I mean, it was just kind of just another one of those things. Just, they're just insanely rich. I think he got mad Mm -hmm. at Kim's private jet. So okay. that she calls Kim Cashmere Air. Seats. It's like Kim Air, yeah. And it's like he, she has like a mat that says Kim Air that you lay down on the tarmac so oh your precious God. feet won't touch the tarmac, Love you know? And I that. think he was just like, what the hell? Like, because if you, like, we're all aware of all of these people because, but if you, you know, my dad reads history books and stuff like that. Like, if you show him one of these things, I mean, it's like, it's a shock to the system. You're like, oh God, like, we're used to this stuff, but normal people, like, it's, it's upsetting, you know? Well, listen, I'm so appreciative for you coming on to discuss our version of great American history. <laughs> I think that's incredibly important. Hey, in our, our books, this is history. This is, And, and is. by the way, be on the right side of history right now. You have to make decisions every day. You know, follow the beat of your own drummer. Don't listen to any, uh, you know, I mean, listen to our podcast, but find the truth out for yourselves. I mean, but I'm saying don't, don't like listen to any Instagram account or any pocket, like do your own digging, do your own thing, you know, yeah. like have your own opinion. And I think that's what's so cool about Bravo is that we all have wildly different opinions, you know? Yeah, and maybe we all need to take a beat or many of us need to take a beat and get used to respecting an opinion that's different from our own. Like, no, let's not go. Someone, let's not go crazy. I mean, I, mean, I know that yeah. might be nuts. But like the idea of having conversations and maybe the conversation takes a turn that you didn't expect or maybe someone is disagreeing with your perspective, but isn't that the point of speaking to and of each other and in discussing other people's actions and behavior? Like God forbid there are conversations that take place where it's just two people agreeing with each other about an hour. I don't I don't know how interesting that would necessarily be, especially when we're talking about long form podcast work, which you and I are both uh, which you and I both do. I think it's it's helpful and great to have different energies, oh, different yeah. experiences and different guests. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, once again, Miss Par- Mrs. Parker in the vicious circle. We are living in the the, the roaring 20s right now. Mm. Bravo. Which is the costume party that these housewives seem to enjoy the yeah. most. So I feel like it makes they must a lot get of they must get like a bulk deal on these twenties costumes that they just <laughs> they pass do. around from like franchise to franchise. Oh my god, I had this idea the other day. I want to see if a couple of people will go in on this with me, where I buy a line of sprinter vans and oh. I rent them out to Bravo, and they are equipped with cameras twenty four seven. Even Love if nobody's that. in the actual van, like it yep. still records mm-hmm. footage. 
Like, I so think that's a, never, that's a great idea. Yeah, they're like industrial. We can even put advertisement on the side of it in the Sprinter van. Mm. You can even advertise the show. We can do wraparound mm. advertising. But like that way, we can assure that nothing ever like this happens ever, ever again, you know? That really is the never again that I want us to keep in mind. Never again should we have a Sprinter van that isn't armed with a camera. Never again should Lisa Rinna have access to an iPhone that she can use to text Erica Jane but doesn't also think to herself maybe well, don't I let don't let them this it, it, also i i'm not like a producer obviously but like hey man if you all see your cast going to the caribou club where mm. you can't film don't no, go there no you're not allowed i'm sorry you're here on a job you go back to kyle's where there's cameras we'll see you tomorrow and if, and if you can't do that we're going to separate you and we'll leave a bodyguard outside of each one of your doors until the next filming day. Because this stuff is ridiculous. You're not on a vacation, guys. You're here to work. So you shouldn't be going to clubs where there is not cameras, period. A hundred percent agree. And Ryan Bailey, host of So Bad, It's Good with Ryan Bailey, and what the kids are watching with Natalie Pouchet. Tell the AGs where they can follow you on social. If you have any exciting guests that have recently appeared or are coming up, mention it all. It's Instagram, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Uh, this next week, I got Ronnie and Ben from Watch What Crappens coming on. Right. And we had a blast. We already did that one. I have uh, a big, we, we recap, we're spooky seasons coming up. And me and Annabelle DeSisto recapped The Ring, uh, that movie oh, wow. where you die in seven days if you watch a VHS <laughs> tape. So don't worry, that can never happen to anybody again because VHS doesn't exist uh, anymore. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, we were going to recap, um, you know, Salt Lake, Beverly Hills, that whole thing. And then it's really in preparation for BravoCon, which I'm mm. hoping to get uh, hoping to get a bunch of footage at BravoCon, hoping to see you. Uh, and then I'll get back to trying to get way more guests when I get back. But now it's kind of like we're now in a tractor beam towards BravoCon and just getting to that point. You know, it's just going to be unhinged for the next two weeks on the show, I think. I do think that there are a lot of us that are like, okay, I just need to practice holding my breath underwater for 72 hours because it's just going to be nonstop. It's just going to be, we just well, need tonight to get I'm through drinking it. 12, just need to get through it. I'm drinking 12 Lover Boys tonight to prep my liver. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm moving up to 14. So hopefully by the time that I get to BravoCon, I'll be able to do a 24 pack of uh, Lover Boy. I love that. I'm here for it. And speaking of things to love, guys, are you members of the Andy Scrolls Patreon? There is almost, I think, it's over two hours of content that went up this week. A Satchel Spectacular featuring featuring nearly 20 Satchels of Gold. That's listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewifery, named in honor for holiness, Kelly, Clorin, Ben, Simone. So two big, supersized episodes that went up this week, including some incredible Satchels, by the way, which we didn't really talk about, but the scene with Erica and her therapist that I thought were Dr. really man she's a tv Dr. therapist Jen, by the way she's a she's a tv therapist but with doesn't mean that there wasn't value in that scene in that conversation and i heard i got satchels from ags who are licensed therapists who had thoughts about that scene thoughts about Le uh, lisa's use of the term psychotic break and of that moment with kathy and everything that followed so on this international podcast day would so appreciate your support of andy's girls by joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls on Instagram at Dame Galley. And Ryan Bailey, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me. I always, uh, I always love speaking to you, Sarah. So uh, many more, many more shows to come. 
Amen. And I'm so excited to see you at BravoCon and to see hopefully so many AGs and so much more. Guys, I hope you're all doing okay. Happy International Podcast Day. Oh, wow. Yeah, happy, happy interna- yeah happy International Podcast Day to you, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And guys, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.